Greetings, my friends. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's kill the fatted calf and celebrate, for he who was lost is now found. Whether you've been in the church all your life, a casual attender, or perhaps one who infrequently walks through the door, the colloquialisms as well as the story of the prodigal son are well known throughout the world. Most of us identify with the prodigal. Most of us have felt like the prodigal, understand the prodigal, perhaps even see ourselves as the prodigal, much more so than we feel or understand the older son. Few, if any of us, identify with the older son, much less admit to being the older son. Yet might I suggest the difference between the two boys is not as wide a gap as first thought. And then there is the love of the father, not only for the younger son, but for the older son as well. It's the entire Bible in a nutshell, really. The story tells us almost everything we need to know about the relationship between creator and creation. Jesus stands looking at two groups of people before him. The first group, those delighted to be near Jesus, was made up of tax collectors and sinners. The second group, a group of grumbling and complaining lot of joy stealers, known as Pharisees and scribes. What's a Messiah to do? Jesus, the master storyteller who truly loves both groups, begins by saying, a man had two sons. It's a classic biblical way to tell a story too and about the people standing in front of you without calling them out by name. The younger son says to the father, Father, give me all my share of what is supposed to come to me. Did you hear it? The words me, my, and me easily roll off the lips of the younger son. The younger son doesn't realize all that the father has given him is already his. All of us are daughters and sons of the living God because each of us is a daughter or son of the living God. Everything we have, everything we own is really a gift from above. What we do with those gifts, what we do with the air that we breathe becomes the sum total of our lives. So if we hold on to those gifts, squirrel them away, use them only for ourselves, our lives tend to become tightly wound up. Instead of flourishing in life, we find ourselves shriveling away. However, if we take that gift or those gifts we have received from above and use them for the benefit of others, giving them freely away, then we open up space for God to give us more gifts. As we give away what we have been given, we unloosen the change which bind us and our lives grow like trees planted by streams of living water. In the story of the prodigal then, we see the younger son saying to the father, give me my share of the inheritance coming to me. Instead of using those gifts for the betterment of others, the younger son wants to hang on to them for himself, for his pleasure for his desires, for his use. That is sin, my friends. Selfish, self-serving desires centered on me, myself, and I. What the younger son is saying to the father is something like, I wish you'd hurry up and die and give me what I want, what I deserve, what is rightfully mine. 
It's truly insulting to the father. So in the story, the father gives the son what he asks for, what he wants. The father respects the son's wishes and divides up the property and gives it to the son. How often in our own lives God gives us our freedom and lets us have what we wish for, what we demand for, what we ultimately want for ourselves. It's a tragic moment in our lives, though. We exchange the grace and gifts of God for the right to call them our property, for our uses, for our lives. The younger son then departs to a distant land. The words translated from the Greek meaning distant land allude to the idea that the distant land spoken of is truly open space or emptiness. In other words, the boy has wandered into the openness all alone and unafraid. Most, if not all of us, are fairly familiar with this piece of land, this part of the country. That time in life when we are smarter than our fathers and mothers, wiser than any of our teachers, coaches, and mentors, and strike off into the wide opens. The saying is attributed to Mark Twain, but any sage may have said it. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. The boy quickly squanders all the inheritance he had been given, all the gifts he had been granted. Just as his pockets were went empty, a severe famine took place in that distant land. His needs began to grow. And so, as always in the distant land, there are no more gifts. When you're on your own, you got to work for everything. No more free lunch, as it were. If you want to drink you got to pay. If you want to smoke, you got to give it up. If you desire affection, well, you got to pay for that as well. Everything in the distant land is contractual. It's all economics. Even love is an economic transition. Finally, the boy hits rock bottom. Anyone in the 12-step program knows what it means to hit rock bottom. When one finally arrives at rock bottom, it's actually not a bad place to be as long as one makes the decision to climb out of the hole. Fellow sinners, there's always the possibility of coming back to God. The younger son, when he hits rock bottom, turns back towards his home. He turns back to the Father. We too, when we hit rock bottom, time for us to turn back to God. The younger son reasons, even my father's hired hands have it better than this. I will get up and go to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. The younger son has learned the world of economics well and in and in his plan, in his mind, he thinks he needs to hire himself out to the Father, to earn the Father's love. So with this plan in mind, he heads back home. But while he was still far away, his father saw him. Dad was looking for his son. 
No matter how far away one has wandered into the distant land, no matter how far away one has drifted away from the Father, God, our God, remains faithful, and God's love remains secure. God watches for our return, longs for our return. For those of us here today who have wandered away, God is looking for you. No matter how far away we have wandered, God the Father is looking for you, looking for me, waiting patiently for you and me to turn. The Father in the story sees the Son turn from the distant land back towards his home, and the Father is filled with compassion. And then he does something so undignified for any man his age to do, he doesn't walk but runs towards the Son. And when he greets the son, he puts his arms around him and kisses him. It is not uncommon for folk in our day and age to see God as the old curmudgeon God, sitting on a throne on some cloud far away. And it is not uncommon to think that old curmudgeon of a God is just waiting to give us the hammer once again. But not this, Father, not our God. Our God is looking for you, and when God sees you turn, God doesn't walk, but runs to greet you, throws his arms around you and kisses you like you were a lover on the first day of spring. And like the father in the story, when we turn to God, our God puts a new robe on us, kills the fattened calf, places a ring like a wedding ring on our hand and welcomes us home. The story could end here. We could close up the book. I could invite you to the Eucharist to receive Christ once again. We'd say the closing prayer and be happily on our way. But the story does not end here. No, what about the older son? Who was he and why was he in the story? You see, Jesus wasn't only speaking to us today in March of 2022 in this parable. No, he was speaking to two groups of people standing in front of him there in Jerusalem. The first group, a group of tax collectors and sinners, just returned from the distant land. Obviously, they were seen as the younger son. The second group, a group of joy stealers and complainers called Pharisees and scribes, they resembled the part of the older son. The older son who stayed home but traveled just as far spiritually into the distant land as the younger son had physically traveled. It is that group of people Jesus was really trying to reach out to. Now watch this. The elder son comes home to the sounds of a party, a celebration going on. He inquires of the hired hand as to what the occasion was. Upon being told his younger brother had returned home and his father had killed the fattened calf to celebrate, he gets angry and refuses to go into the party. Even though the older son has lived under the roof of the father, had gifts lavished upon him, never missed a meal, always had clean clothes, fresh water, a warm bed, his heart had turned bitter and sour. He too desired the inheritance for himself, not wanting to share the love of the father with others. Hear what the older son says to his father. Listen. I have been working like a slave for you. I've never disobeyed you, yet you haven't even given me a goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. It's the language of the distant land, the economic language of slavery, obedience, and my share with my friends. 
The older son asks, What have you done for me, father? The older son had yet to realize that the love of the father was ravishly being poured out upon him the entire time his younger brother was away. Jesus spoke to two groups standing in front of him then as well as today, the one group being those recently returned from the distant land, those Jesus was celebrating with who had returned to the Father. The other group, those who were the chosen people of Israel, those who had lived under the tent of the tabernacle and had not known physical want but were spiritually empty. Jesus beckoned to them to come to him as the tax collectors and sinners had come to him, but they turned away and planned to kill him. The message for us today is the same. Whether you find yourself in a distant land physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, each of us is called to turn from that distant land, turn away from that economic relationship we have created with the Creator or with our brothers and sisters, and exchange it for a relationship of love. Each of us is a daughter or son of the living God, and everything we have been given has truly been given to us as a gift from above. Give that gift of love to someone as undeserving as you. It is a gift of grace. It is a great gift of love. Amen. <music>